And the theme this year, hope is here. And I don't know about you, but it feels like hope is here. And what was on your heart in, in that theme being focused on for this year? Well, you know, I can't, I can't totally take credit for that because I, I, you know, Sarah had a lot to do with coming up with the theme. And as Sarah is the brilliant lady that she is, she, is indeed. she threw that theme out and I said, that's a good theme, let's do it. But I, I think, of course, for all of us, um, maybe like never before, the idea of hope is, is, is just something that we've really come to appreciate because we've been in a time where it has seemed rather hopeless for a lot of people. And of course, the hope of the ages is the gospel. And so I just felt like, yeah, that's a, that's a great theme. And what a great opportunity to talk about hope. And so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to say to you guys, so Ephraim and I have been friends for a long time. Ephraim just celebrated, he just celebrated his 50th birthday. And I know that's hard to believe. He still is such a young looking I'm still celebrating. Yeah. So I met Ephraim when he was 25 years old. And no, younger. Younger. Yeah, yeah. I think I was like 21. <laughs> well, you looked like you were 21, but I thought you were 25. But, uh, but anyway, we've been friends for a long time. We've done a lot of things together, both on, you know, here in the UK and over in the States. And I know Ephraim's story, and I was thinking it would be great if we could just take a few minutes tonight and just, you know, kind of talk about um, our stories together and let you guys know about the hope that we have in Christ. And as, as many of you know, of course, th this festival is, it's about many things, but it's ultimately about the Lord Jesus and it's about knowing him because uh, we have come into a relationship with him and we've discovered this is the ultimate in life. This is what life is about. And Jesus told us to go into all the world and tell everybody that we could about this message of hope. And so that's what we're doing. And so Ephraim, you know, just thinking back over your life, growing up in London, um, where, what was that point in your life where you really connected with the hope? of the gospel where, you know, you had some, some church experience growing up as a kid, yeah. but what was that moment where there was a, a connection where you knew that you knew that this is true, this is real, and this is what I need to commit my life to? Oh, wow. So I grew up, as you mentioned, in church. I was brought up by my grandmother. Um, when I was three months old, my mother left and left me with my grandmother on my dad's side, and I never knew my mother again for most of my life um, up until recently. And that's a whole nother story. And um, growing up, um, I always looked back on the way in which the Lord provided someone to care for me. It's because the way in which I was left, um, my mum was it just, she was really young and just didn't have it together. And she literally left the house and left, she, was, she said to my grandmother as she was leaving the house, uh, I'm going to go and put him in the bin because she was just so out of it. And um, my cousin was there who's just, he might have been about five or six at the time. And she left and my grand was elderly and they didn't know what was going to happen. Did she really mean this? 
And I lived in a, in a um, housing estate. And when she was talking about putting me in the bin, she wasn't talking about like, you know, a little wheelie bin. We used to have these huge bins that were like adult person height. And it was that kind of situation. And uh, a little while after, my cousin thought he heard a noise at the door. And she'd actually left me on the doorstep. Uh, kind of like a bit of a Moses story, you know them ones. And um, my grand brought me up and she, she brought me up in church. And even though I was brought up in church, um, there was that part of me that didn't want to be there because it wasn't cool. You know what I mean? When we, we changed housing estates and we, moved, we were on another estate and it would be a sunny Sunday evening like this and everybody's out on the estate and they're, they're playing runouts and so on. And I was having to go to church with my yellow shirt and my green tie, elasticated and my pinstripe little suit on and walk through the estate and everybody watching me and making fun of me. Where you going? And I wouldn't answer because they knew I was going to church. They just wanted to mock me. And I didn't want to go. And I felt that the people in church were nosy and just... And I got to a stage where my dad came into my life. I went to live with him and he wasn't a Christian. He was into martial arts, kung fu, karate, black belt. He was a, a raver and everything else that came with the, that lifestyle. Into fast cars and I probably would, he would admit fast women and that whole thing. And so I felt like I'm free of church. I don't have to go anymore. But I felt empty, and I felt like I was lost, and I didn't understand that. And there was a point at which um, he began to repair relationships with his mum, my grandmother, and I started going back to church, and I was like, oh, no, we're here again. And then I remember sitting down in church, and I, I was mid-teens by this point, and I heard the preacher preaching. And he said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, which astounded me. Going to church doesn't make you right with God. And I sat there and I listened and I, and I began to realize that actually I needed Jesus. That sense of lostness and hopelessness. I was very insecure as a young person at that time in my life. I was very insecure in my relationship with my dad. My gran was elderly and very sick, and I wasn't sure if she was going to be around to, for me to you know, turn to. And I felt really quite hopeless. And when he said that, I began to realize my need for Jesus. And he said, look, Jesus came to make you right with God. You can't do that by yourself. No amount of good works and any of those things. And going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in the garage makes you a car. You know what I mean? And I saw two young people get baptized. And when I watched, they were a little bit younger than me. One was nine, one was 12. And when I watched them get baptized, Brian, I knew that they had a hope and an assurance that I didn't have. Wow. I was almost 15. Mm. And I said... Jesus, please give me the hope of eternal life. And it's not as if I was like a wild guy. I wasn't out there selling drugs and robbing. and I didn't have loads of things on my conscience that I was trying to relieve myself of. I wasn't facing a prison sentence. That wasn't my story. As one songwriter said, I ain't got no horror story. God kept me in my youth. I give him all the glory. And so that was me. And yet I felt that, that, that weight lifted. 
and that sense of no matter what happens, it's going to be all right. And that was real hope for me. And, and that, yeah, that hit me in my mid-teens. And my life has been absolutely transformed. And there's been waves upon waves of God renewing the sense of hope. You know, throughout the course of this past 16, 18 months, no doubt there's many of us who have felt hopeless. And we go through seasons where we can really feel very hopeless. Like things are not going to be all right. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And yet, I looked at Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, and even more importantly, the empty tomb, Brian. Like, as I began to grow as a Christian and began to learn that actually, factually, Jesus' grave is empty. That actually he, he was raised from the dead. He is alive forever. Death could not defeat him. And there's nothing in life that I face that he hasn't already conquered. And that has meant so much to me in giving me hope when those hopeless situations arrive. I mean, coming to Calvary Chapel back in, I don't know, 94, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, that, that was a, a, a real tough season in our lives. As a family, my wife and I, girls were tiny. And yet, there was real, but we come from different worlds. So what about you? What about your hope? How's that work for you? When yeah. do you experience well, I, that I, hope? I wonder, though, before I answer that question, I, I want to ask, and I really, I want you to not be afraid to be honest. Because sometimes, you know, we're so worried about what somebody else is going to think about us. We don't, we don't say the things that we should say. So I want, I want to ask you this question. How many of you, or it, did anybody, sort of the hopeless it, hopelessness that Ephraim's talking about, did anyone experience that over the past, say, 18 months? Or, or could anybody identify with that at any point in your life where you just wondered, like, you know, what is, what is life about? What why am I here? What does this mean? Uh, and, and maybe just sensing at the end, like, I, I don't know. Anybody like that? Just, you know, slip up your hand if that's you. I, I, would, I would think that everybody out there at some point or another has felt that. I know that, that I felt that. And, you know, my story is different, obviously, than Ephraim's. I grew up in Southern California. And I came from a broken home. My, my parents split up when I was a little kid. I think I was seven years old. I remember my dad uh, packing up a suitcase. And I, you know, I didn't know what he was doing. I'd never seen him do that before. And as he was headed to the door, I said, I said Dad, where are you going? He said, oh, I got to go away. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. And you know what? He walked out and never came back. And I remember at... At that age, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, that was a that was a weight that I was carrying around. I was just hoping and dreaming that somehow that would be reversed. That that somehow that my parents could get back together. And I remember feeling just a sense of hopelessness in regard to that. And uh, you know that never did happen. He, he never, my dad never did come back. Um, I got a great relationship with him today. 
uh, many years later. But so for, I think <coughs> really for me, you know, from the time my, my parents split up, I, I had from that point on these, these moments where I would just have this sense of hopelessness and, and just wondering about the future and not having any conception of what it even held. And I grew up in um, like a nominal Catholic environment. So my dad was Catholic and my mom converted to Catholicism because of my dad. And then my dad left and the church kicked my mom out. So it was like, wow, that doesn't sound like it the way it should go. So I was never super fond of the Catholic church anyway, you know. So for me, it was just one of those things, like a duty, you had to go. And um, so, you know, by the time I reached maybe 13 or so, uh, that, that was a time in back in California where there were just tons of drugs and things beginning to, to be present in the culture. And we had, uh, you know, what what would be known today as a cultural revolution and hippies and all, all of that sort of stuff was going on. And at a, at a very young age, I got, in, I got connected with the wrong people and started dabbling in those kinds of things, you know? So 13 years old, I was smoking marijuana. I was starting to drink with my friends and starting to, you know, explore with sex and things like that. And the deeper I got into that, um, the more hopeless I actually began to feel, you know. So the one thing I knew is that uh, none of this stuff is the answer. And yet I never, I never heard the gospel, really. You know, I knew about Jesus. I knew that he was the son of God. I knew that he had died on a cross. I, I knew that he rose from the dead. I mean, I heard all those things. Um, I, it's not like I didn't believe them, but I, they didn't mean anything to me. They, it was just information. And so for me, it was, it was a point, you know, some years went by. I continued to kind of go down that, that same road, uh, going a little deeper at times, pulling back at times, getting into, you know, I grew up in, in the surf world. So I, surfing was my escape. It was my life. Everything revolved around surfing. I got into music and that kind of became my life. But, you know, to make a long story short, there, there just came a point in my late teens, right around, um, you know, the time I was about 20, where, man, I, there was a song by one of my favorite artists back in the day called Running on Empty by a guy named Jackson Brown. And when that song came out, it was like, that guy's singing about my life right there. You know, that was me. I was running on empty. And I didn't know, you know, how do I keep going? And it, and it was in that moment and I had been hearing about Jesus. Jesus was talked about in the culture because there was this radical thing that was happening. Um, but it was kind of freaky to me, so I sort of avoided it. But then there just came a moment where I thought, man, there has got to be some reason for my existence. And we had a big, gigantic Bible that was on the table in our living room, and it just sat there. It probably had a half an inch of dust on it because nobody ever opened it. It was just a decoration. And one day I was sitting there and I just thought, I wonder what that book says. And so I opened it up and, and I literally opened to this passage. These are the words that I read. And the, these words are words that Jesus said. These are the first words I ever read in the Bible. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I thought, 
wow, come to me. And I just sensed this was an invitation that I was being invited to come to Jesus. And, and so that was kind of the first moment that I had some sort of a sense like God was speaking. And then a, a little while later, um, I, I was, again, you know, this, this was kind of a journey for me. So it wasn't like I just suddenly, I heard those words and boom, okay, I came to him and then I was a Christian. No, I kind of kept going down the road, trying to figure it out myself, being interested now, kind of wondering what Jesus was about. But I remember I was going through this, um, this time of real anxiety and depression. And I, I went into this, I, I ended up at this place, this place with a bunch of art on the walls. And, and there was a, a picture of Jesus on the wall, you know, what people think Jesus looked like. There was a picture of him. And what I didn't realize at the time was that the picture was actually made up of, of scriptures. So the whole of the picture was different scriptures that were put together artistically, you know, put together artistically to look like Jesus. And as I got close to look at it, it was, um, it was the words from, from John's gospel. And it said, it, it basically said, um, I forget, I forget what verse it was, but it, it was a verse basically inviting, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I remember looking at it and reading that, and all of a sudden, I had this incredible calm that came upon me. Just, I didn't do anything. I just read it, and suddenly, the anxiety, everything that was kind of going on in my head, it just subsided. And I walked away from that thinking, well, that was weird. That was, that was amazing. And, and so for me, it was literally probably a, about a month later where I, I just came to this point and I heard, I heard this phrase, you must be born again. And I thought, I don't know what that means exactly, but I knew that that was a word for me. You must be born again. And I didn't know exactly what it meant. I said this. I said, Jesus, I want to be born again. That minute, my life changed. That minute. Suddenly, everything was different. Uh, the weight, the burden that I'd carried all my life was lifted off of me. And I just began to see things with a whole new perspective. And for the first time, I think that I could even remember I had peace and I had hope. And I knew that whatever the future held, it would be good. And that, that was the beginning of my journey with Christ. And so that was now um, 40 plus years ago. And I have zero regrets. Amen. <laughs> and I mean, this is true for us. Two individuals, different generations, 8,000 miles apart, encountering the same Jesus. And you, there is not one person in the, within the sound of my voice that could convince either of us 
that God isn't real and that the work he's done in our lives isn't true. You can say whatever you want about the Bible, about, the, about Jesus, philosophy, whatever. You cannot take away our story. What's your story? In this, in this pandemic, we've seen all of the idols that people look to diminished, reduced. People look to entertainment, there was none. People look to sport, <laughs> there was none. People look to work, there was none. People look to money, people look to relationships, they couldn't have them. They had to, we had to stay in our house. All of the idols were stripped away. And what have you been left with over this past 18 months? What has given you inspiration? What has given you hope? The government? The scientists? Philosophy? You see, in a time like this, the things that we have cling to and depended on have come up short. Because idols never deliver what they promise. These things that we, we venerate and we hold up as being so important to us, even as important as our very lives, they never deliver what they promise. We have, we've had a microorganism that has brought the world to its knees. And yet we're back here at Creation Fest. At the, amen. At the first given opportunity. Because Jesus is our hope. Is Jesus your hope tonight? Because he is, he is the only hope for humanity. If we've not learned that over the past year and a half, then we've chosen to bury our head in the sand. Because when nobody's had the answers, we recognize that Jesus is the answer. People have faced death. People have watched others die. And our mortality has been very painfully brought to our attention again. And Jesus, and yet Jesus offers life and life more abundantly. Not just eternal forever, ever, ever, but a quality of life that is unlike anything that is known among humans. And Jesus offers you the hope of eternal life tonight. If you would surrender to him, if you would hear his voice, and I know there are many people here who have already done that. Would I be right in saying that? Praise be to God. And I would encourage you as praying people to be praying for those who have yet to surrender, but you have an invitation, just like the invitation that Brian shared, that he, that he experienced when he heard, come to me, when he read, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Jesus is extending an inv invitation. Hope is here. His name is Jesus, and he is inviting you to come to him and receive eternal hope. Yeah, and, and you know, from something I think, I think sometimes when we talk about eternal life, and I'm glad you said what you said, because I think sometimes we think of that, well, that, you know, that's like way out there, and, you know, that'll be good when it gets time for me to get there, but, uh, you know, right now, everything's cool. 
But understand this, that eternal life is not just the, a duration, and it's not something that's in the future. Eternal life is now, and it's, it's a quality of life. It's, you could translate the word age-abiding life. It's a quality of life that you cannot possibly get anywhere else. And I think one of the most amazing things right now for all of the world and for us here tonight, you know, everything you just said, Ephraim, about the idols being dashed, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity. And I think I, I want to challenge you guys to recognize this as a God moment because what God has done is he has shown us that all the things that we thought we could hope in and trust in and all the things that we thought were going to fulfill us and bring meaning and purpose into our life. He's shown us how vain all of that is. And he's shown us how quickly it can all be swept aside. And this is what we need to understand tonight. God is speaking to the world. God's speaking to people all over the planet. And he's telling us that life is brief. It's uncertain. And he's calling us to put our hope in him. And it's a hope that translates into today, into <coughs> your life now and forever. And I remembered the exact words when I looked at that, that picture of Jesus. It was, it was the words... Let not your heart be troubled. Come on. And man, that's what yeah. I was a troubled guy. Yeah. I was troubled in my mind. I was troubled by what I saw around me. I was troubled by what I knew was in me. And I was burdened. And those words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That lifted it off of me. Just instantly lifted it off me. And even though at that moment I didn't receive Christ, but it was like God was showing me, like, I'm the one. I, I will calm your heart. And that, that's what I want to say to all of us tonight. All of these things that have been happening, this is God speaking to us and showing us the futility of life, which the Bible tells us about over and over again, but we've been able to actually experience it. And now God is offering us the alternative that he's always been extending to us, and that's to come to him and to receive that life and to receive that hope. Hope. And you know, the Bible says that, that hope does not disappoint. Come on. You'll never be disappointed. Put in your hope in Jesus. I can tell you this. Ephraim can tell you this. Many people can tell you this. You will never be disappointed. God will never let you down. He'll keep his word all the way through. And so, you know, what we want to do tonight is, as we sort of finish things up, we're going to ask the band to come out. And they're going to lead us in a time of singing. And, and I just want to say to you, you know, think about, think about what we're talking about. And if you have not had that moment where you surrender to Jesus, where you, where you say, Lord, take my life. You know, the gospel, as we know, the gospel means the good news. And, and it's the good news of what? It's the good news 
that our sin that has separated us from God has been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. He has removed the barrier and we can come into a living, vital relationship with God that begins now and goes on eternally. And if you haven't made that connection by simply saying, Jesus, I need you. I, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. I haven't lived the life that you've called me to live. And I'm all screwed up as a result of that. But I'm asking you to come and fix me. And the amazing thing is, he comes. He Amen. comes by just that simple invitation. Amen. Right? Amen. So, Ephraim, why don't you pray? Amen. And then these guys are going to close out the night for us. Father God, we thank you so much for the fact that we're able to be here out in the open, enjoying your creation once again. And yet we realize that there is a, a greater gift that you have invited us to receive. And Lord, I do pray right now for, for every individual within the sound of my voice who has heard all that Brian and I have said and for whom you are speaking to their hearts. They have that sense of you stirring their hearts that their mind is unable to get away from what is being said it's really resonated with the way in which you've been speaking to them in the inside lord i pray that you would just give them that boldness and that courage to surrender and to receive to receive hope in abundance to receive jesus and lord i thank you for each one of us who who have taken that step and who gratefully experience the renewing of our hope day by day as we seek your face. Lord, I pray that you would draw us all closer to you. Closer, Lord. That we would, we would be not only filled with hope, but agents of hope. Sharing that hope with a broken, dying, lost world. Thank you, God, for sending your Son Have your way in us, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, maybe you're here tonight and, and, and this has made sense to you. And for the first time, you're, you're ready to surrender. There are individuals around the, the edge and some at the back, they're wearing the green um, waistcoats, uh, high-vis waistcoats, um, prayer team. And feel free, please, you'll go to the prayer tent at the back of the, the, the showcase lounge. Please go and just say, look, you know what? What I heard tonight made sense to me and I, I want to talk about it. And I, I really want to know how to just give my life to God fully and, and how to have real hope. Because as Brian said, Jesus will never let you down. It doesn't mean we get everything our own way. But he is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. And you can know his goodness. Amen.